Hello everyone and welcome back to Chronic Pain and Paranoia. It's us. I hope everyone is doing well. For this week we're doing another scary story hour where we share scary creepypasta slash reddit stories that are not real for a little break from the heavy heavy true crime and ghosty things. Um, You guys seem to like these but feel free to let us know if you do in fact like them or you're sick of them you want us to take a little break from them whatever you guys want also i wanted to know if you guys like our new intro that's a little bit longer Mm -hmm. and also if you like long episodes in general so what we consider long is like an hour to an hour and 30 minutes and what's short for us is anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes yes so let us know how you like your podcast yes it helps us a lot and I will be sure to put those polls on our either our Instagram or when we upload the episode on Spotify. Mm-hmm. There's usually a poll options for Spotify. Anyway, um, I don't think I've watched anything else scary since the last episode we recorded 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I've got things. You got things? I've been watching ghost adventures i freaking love that show not because it's good let me just make that clear no unless you're zach baggins and i love your show actually i have been watching something yeah i've been watching swat on netflix because they just (laughs) put it on netflix yeah it's one of those cop shows that like it's good but there's definitely some things where i'm like okay yeah and i've been texting emily and i'm like and it's so funny I'm like, these guys, they love a shooting range scene. They love calling in a helicopter. They drift in every episode. Oh, yeah. And their chargers, because they all we have chargers. That. Yeah. Um, Because they're SWAT. If they're not in the SWAT vehicle, they're in chargers. Drifting. Yeah. Drifting around every Gray corner. chargers. Drifting. Yeah. It's probably the same one, actually. <laughs> Which is really funny. I love that. They movie. just have one for the show. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, the cases are pretty interesting. It's not super believable. Like, for me, Criminal Minds is feels a lot more believable just because of how they do the story. And because it's terrifying. Yes. Even if the cases are, like, sometimes a little far-fetched others, mm-hmm. I can tell that they've pulled from real cases because I know of the real cases. Yeah. And that freaks me out. Like the pig farm one. We talk yes. about that every time. Yeah. But yeah. That one is horrific, but it's one of my favorite episodes because it's just, like, so compelling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. Yeah. I've just been watching Ghost Adventures um, because I love Ghost Adventures. As you should. I want to start Kindred Spirits again. I have a hard time with that one, but it's just, like, a psychic goes in there and they just, like, oh, feel yeah. it out. And Didn't you mention that one in the Alcatraz episode? That or was one? that a different show? was not kindred spirits that one was something else i forgot what it's called yeah emily how would you rate your pain today today i feel like i just like stuck my head in a blender <laughs> like ostrich style where you yeah. just go down head in the, the sand, sand. Mm-hmm. yeah but a blender i love it thank you what is your pain scale today um speaking of sand mm-hmm. i feel like the ball in beach volleyball oof I'm sandy, I'm being tossed around, um, I'm being hit around. Yeah. I don't feel good. Also, my legs hurt so bad, it's been so hard to sit here. Mm-hmm. Um, I washed my hair yesterday, and I've been suffering ever since. <laughs> like, literally, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, even driving here, like, my legs got, Tired. like, crampy. Yeah. And it was, like, not even 40 minutes. We are not making it through this episode. Emily's already (laughs) yawning, guys. Hold on, hold on. Let's wait for the sugar to kick in. Okay. Okay. I believe you. Thank you. Let's get started. Yeah. This podcast contains sensitive material such as violence, murder, paranormal activity, and other adult topics, so listener discretion is advised. While we do research all of our episodes, we are just two Emilys with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky. Take it with a grain of salt. All of our sources will be in the show notes or we'll tell you... For this one, it's just Reddit stories. We'll tell you the users and the Reddit. 
Let's get going. So, Emily, did you want the long one or the short one first? I have two today. Long one. Okay. I need to get I need to get the long one under my belt. Let's get the long one under our belt then. It's actually not that long now that I've scrolled through. Reddit's just kind of tricky like that. No, yeah, I get that. Um, So I'm just going to get right into it. Spooky story time. This is on r slash no sleep. The user is user slash Christian Wallace. That's it. There's a horror writer or she or they, not quite sure. One story month every month loves writing. All right. Loves critical feedback. (laughs) (laughs) We will give it to them. Basically, here we go. We have started kind of critiquing these. Yeah. Also, side note, I haven't read this one yet. I'm excited. I kind of... There's glue in my blanket. Um, <laughs> sorry. Not the ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> um, it's just there. I touched it. And it's I'm sorry. Glue. It's hot glue. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's crispy. Yeah. Like I sit in my chair and craft. Um, I'm going to start reading now, or we're going to be here all night. Yes, ma'am. Okay, it's called, I inspect four closed houses, and I'm haunted by the things people leave behind. Hmm. Here we go. I get shot at. A lot. But it isn't what scares me about this job. When I arrive at home and see someone, well, when I arrive at home and see someone burst out of the front door clutching a rifle, I know what to expect. They have something to lose. They're scared and don't know what to do, so I tell them. I give them resources on fighting back. I refer to law firms who do pro bono work, government bodies and charities that can help them get back on their feet. I speak calmly and with empathy. And people listen and even thank me as they pack their things up and drive away. The suicides are harder to deal with. I get at least three or four a year. People who kill themselves out of spite really go out in all spectacle. The harder it is for the bank to clean up, the better. And people assume the bank puts their house on the market and the second it's seized, but a house can sit forgotten for years Mm -hmm. before I'm sent to look over it. Lone bodies swinging in empty living rooms, flesh like melted candle wax from all that time left in the open air. Ew. I should have given a trigger warning. My bad. Well, you haven't read it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I knew what it was. I skimmed it, though. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know it was detailed. Uh... I find it profoundly sad. These people lay themselves out like a spiteful diorama, and then no one ever turns up. They slit their throats while clutching eviction notices, and by the time I arrive, the blood is dried and the ink is faded. The worst ones don't just hurt themselves, but their loved ones, their loved ones too. Suicide packs are more common with the elderly, but it isn't always octogenarians. I've never heard that word. Octogenarians. Families too. It's rare, but it does happen. A sun-baked house with drawn curtains, so much time passed in the dry autumn heat that their skin turned paper thin, receding lips, black toothless gums born in the ridiculous grin. Heck of a thing to see starting out of a crib. Wow. Staring out of a crib. Mm-hmm. Each house is its own apocalypse, its own ruined city for me to wander. Whiskey's in the toilets, fentanyl under the bed, bills past due. And it doesn't just end with people we kick out. These places are empty so long you'll often get squatters. Usually harmless, not always. Mm -hmm. Some have the potential to be thoroughly lethal. Stringy men and women with flinty eyes and missing teeth who come bursting out of moldy old blankets and indoor tents slashing box cutters wildly at the air. You could play tic-tac-toe on my forums from all the defensive ones. Jeez. Even when they've moved on, the things they leave behind aren't exactly safe. Fumes from homemade labs can rot your lungs. And HIV-positive needles stuffed down the sides of old sofa cushions wait to prick curious fingers. And the cooks get real paranoid about being robbed, so they like to rig their homes with traps. They get inventive with whatever's laying around. Shards of glass on spring-loaded broom handles, trick floorboards over boxes of razor blades, stuff smeared uh, every now and again. Sorry, I'm trying to make it a little no, more family-friendly. <laughs> I can tell when you're trying to censor things. Censor some words. (laughs) Um, A baseball bat rigged to lash out at anyone entering the kitchen. Blood and hair dripping from bent nails. Jeez. No sign of 
the poor person who set it off. Just a grisly trail of gore leading out of the house into the nearby woods. These addicts stay up for days and pass out. Then they wake up and the first thing they do is head for their stash, not remembering where they left where they left it. One time I found a guy laying a few feet away from his own trap. He kept his money in his old metal lunchbox at the back of the cupboard where he'd rigged it so anyone reaching in would get a big surprise. The blade went in at his elbow and left the knuckle Wait, the blade went in at his elbow and left just below his knuckle on his thumb. No helping him after that. He died bleeding out on his late grandmother's cold linoleum. Jeez. What an awful way to go. Yeah. And this little lunchbox on the ground and empty of everything worth taking. Police reckon someone was with him when it happened. Must have mm. gotten scared, so they took the cash and left him to die. It'd take a full month before I found him, and no one even reported him missing. You'd think the kid would be angry, but he wasn't. He just looked like he was scared. 19, going through withdrawal and slowly dying. Curled up like a baby, one hand gripping his open wrist. You can't trap the ocean in your fist. It leaks through your fingers. That kid knew it was coming, and I could see it in his eyes. Terrified. Freaking terrified. Meth is a heck of a drug. These poor guys fry their brains out in the middle of nowhere. I can't even begin to imagine what they think and see out there. What visits them in the dark. Found this trailer once had been rigged with near a hundred traps. They weren't particularly sophisticated, but they were numerous and vicious and desperate. And they circled the lone motorhome out in the middle of the desert like an invading army made of knives and bear traps and stolen guns and even a few hastily made IEDs. Took me and a bomb squad a week just to get through the front door. And by the time we opened it, we were fairly certain of one fact. This place hadn't been rigged to keep thieves out. Who had ever set the traps had been scared of something leaving. Probably mm. just drug-fueled paranoia on behalf of whoever sent them. But I think the idea was that something was in there waiting for us. Got under our skin anyways. During the operation, we'd sometimes get shouted reports of someone moving around in a trailer, and the whole site would go to heck. I can say hell on this podcast. I'm just gonna go with it. Um, armed men and women lying on their bellies, iron sights lined up in the floor, handshaking. I guess we kept asking ourselves over and over, what's in there that had to trap someone so scared they set all these traps? Mm-hmm. When we finally found our answer, the first thing we found was a meth lab. Pretty par f- for the course. Less than normal was the body that had been torn to pieces. Halfway to dust after all that time in the heat had passed, but it was strewn all over the interior. Walls, flooring, ceiling. Oh, wow. Couldn't argue it was a natural death or a product of scavengers. Not unless coyotes can work a lock and key. What was left of his head and torso looked like he'd gone through hell. I'm a hardly a forensic expert, but I looked, but it looked to me like he'd died slowly and painfully. Missing fingers, teeth, an eye plucked out. Torture is what made me think of. Mm-hmm. Even stranger than all that, though, was what we found on the sink, on the kitchen counter. Next to the broken beakers and stained chemistry equipment, a doll. Not like a kid's doll. Porcelain. Like a collector's item that had seen better days. Scared me. Given the circumstances and all. Couldn't Mm -hmm. shake the feeling. Whoever had made these traps had done so with that thing in mind. Which begged the question, who was the poor guy stuck inside the trailer? And what had happened to him? Cops wrote it off. Meth is a big drug. So they say. We all knew that. Only I wasn't so sure. I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Who knows what visited that poor guy out in the wild so far from civilization. A lot of life gets lived out in the world. Out on the plains or the forest or in the amongst the hills, far from prying eyes. You get a sense of it in my job. The sheer quality of untold stories, failed dreams, great triumphs, abandoned cases, well-worn with guitars, heydays that came and went, or simply never at all. Most stories follow rhythm. Most. Some, like that doll, raise profound questions. Others aren't really stories at all, so much as nightmares just waiting for the next victim. The world is full of hidden needles waiting for prodding hands. There are rare occasions where I'll advise the bank not to sell a property. They become part of a kind of no-go zone the government has to set up around the the county, not the county, the country. (laughs) I only see bits of this machinery at work. Whatever bureaucracy manages, manages it, um, is way over my pay grade. But there's a system in place for managing the worst of the worst. I'm not talking ghost eaters. Eaters, I says. (laughs) (laughs) 
None of the examples I've given so far would be candidates. Sounds messed up by now. Scrub the blood, scrape the brains, pick the shotgun pellets out of the plaster. If the next family who move in have to contend with the ghosts of a few clumsy meth heads or disgruntled former owners, well, so be it. No, for a place to be deemed no-go, it has to be beyond recovery and an active threat to life. I'm talking factories with bottomless holes that pump out enough radiation the government has to build a nuclear dump site just to make it a convincing cover. Jeez. Although, that is a bit of an extreme angle. Most of the time, we just blame it on uh, meth fumes and condemn it. Had this one place, a farmhouse, where a family of five had lived for nearly six years. By the time I got there, kids were adults, and the parents had been dead for a while. The children had resisted selling the family home, tried to keep up with their payments, but they got their own debts, and in the end, the bank got its pound of flush. At a glance, the house didn't look too bad. Bit run down, sure. But my standards are low. Cracked den low, windows are intact, no graffiti, roof hadn't been stripped, satellite dish was still up. From where I sat in my car, coping down a lukewarm bottle of water that had spent the drive tumbling around the passenger footwell, the house was relatively untouched by anything except nature and time. Something about that gave me pause. Shame I didn't listen to the gut feeling, feeling telling me it was all sorts of weird that an isolated house had gone unmolested for so long. I grabbed the keys the sheriff had given me and went inside, hoping for an easy gig. Three hours later, and then I was crawling out of the kitchen window, I'd smashed the shirt and skin on my back cut to ribbons. I stumbled Jeez. to my car, chest nearly bursting from my pounding heart, and my eyes fixed on the empty window frame I'd just escaped. A lone figure, barely visible with the bright sun in my eyes, but still too substantial to be a mere ghost. My wounds were a testament to that. Once the doctor had finished patching me up, I sat in the waiting room and tried calling the former owners, the siblings, one after the other. I wanted to know why they'd attacked me. Mm -hmm. If anyone knew what I was walking into, there would be hell to pay if so. The oldest son was the first to answer. I didn't go all in straight away. I asked probing questions, took my time before I mentioned the basement. The guy laughed when I'd brought it up. Told me he hated going down there because... As a kid, he'd hear some of the weirdest noises, like someone moaning. They all thought a ghost lived down there in the dark and had to keep them from hurting themselves or playing around with stuff they shouldn't. Their father had embellished this ghost, gave it a name. Marion, he called her. Marion lived in the basement, hiding amongst the crates of old photos and clothes. She lurked behind a half-disassembled lawnmower, scuttling always in the dark places at the very edge of your eyesight. Marion had long fingernails and a haggard flower sour or sack dress. She had black lips and a pointed nose and a wart the size of your thumb. Marion ate children, their dad had told them with glee. And if Marion knew there were three bite-sized kids living just above her, she'd come out of the basement, come crawling up the stairs with arms as long as her body, and she'd slink her way into their bedrooms, using the shadows as cover, and she'd start by taking tiny little bites out of any bare feet that lay dangling in the cold. What about that freezer? Did you ever use it? I asked. Oh no, he said. Even now, that basement gives me creeps, and that freezer was where Marion lived, or so he figured his kids. Mm. So he stayed the hell away from it. It was just always there in the back, looking old and forgotten. I think Dad used to go hunting when we were little, and that's where he'd keep the meat, but he'd face all that out before I turned five. So their dad murdered someone and put them in the freezer? Most likely. Okay. <laughs> Glad we agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. He seemed sincere, so I didn't tell him what I'd found in the house at the end of my inspection. He didn't know that behind the freezer was a far false wall, and behind that wall, basement number two, homemade. Who knows how the father managed it with no one noticing, but he dug it out and made a private soundproof space, hollowed out a room the size of your typical jail cell. The furniture was threadbare, deliberately so. A single mattress propped up against one wall, an iron shackle bolted into the foundation. A dentist chair modified with restraints. And a stain. A big blob of ancient browns and almost greens that pulled outward from the patch in the corner. It had texture. I knew that stain. I'd seen it before. Residue left behind after the professionals have finished peeling the corpse, the, yeah, just the corpse off a hard surface. Hmm. At first I'd assumed someone had moved the source of the stain. There were even footprints, but they didn't look right. Something about them made me queasy. They had not been left in the residue. They were made of it. 
something or someone covered in that stuff had been stomping around down here. <laughs> Until that moment, the inspection had been mundane, mundane, and boring. But it isn't every day you stumble across a hidden dungeon. Now I was suddenly presented with a hell of a family secret, and one that didn't make quite sense. I stood there for a good minute, trying to make the pieces of the puzzle fit. Had someone moved the corpse and gotten covered in rotten flesh, then walked around leaving a trail? Why had they done it barefoot? Why not clean it up afterwards? How had they been so clumsy, yet so clean as well? Yeah. There were no drag marks. It took another look at those prints, and something inside my gut soured. Small feet. A woman's. We all know this story. Don't make me go over it. Basement, out of the middle of nowhere, restraints, a family man that no one respects, or no one suspects. Mm-hmm. He'd hunted all right. Sick. So who had died in that basement, and who had left those prints? Not all of them were on the floor either. With an increasingly shaky hand, I tracked a few to the wall where they had mounted the vertical surface and continued upward into the ceiling. Just like that cold sweat gathered on the back of my neck, and a powerful sense of uncanny ran over me like ice water. Somewhere overhead, the wind blew and the boughs of the trees groaned in the yard, somewhere of another world. I could see it in my mind up there, not far away, my car sitting in the shade. Those images felt like they belonged to another world. I desperately wanted to rejoin it, to leave this squalid little hole behind. All I had to do was walk out of the basement and make for my car. Only I wasn't so sure I wanted to move at all. Felt like I might break something brittle. The notion that the creeping dread I felt was all in my head. A product of an overactive imagination. Whoa, imagination. <laughs> Nothing more. And yet, I got this feeling that if I tried to run, the nightmare would spill out into the real wor world and give chase. I even tried telling myself I don't know what happened in that room. Not for sure. I couldn't have. It couldn't have been a game one played between him and the wife. But then I looked at the chair again, and the crackled and frayed leather of ancient straps. There were teeth marks on them. I took a deep breath and regained control of my legs. Unless I saw something alive down there, I had to assume I was really alone down here. So I turned against my myriad of little groans and creaks that felt as though they followed me, going from shadow to shadow. I couldn't stop myself from filling in the blanks of the basement story, even as I told myself to die. Or to stop. Whoa. <laughs> die is the next word under it. Oh, okay. Maybe she died first. Maybe he did. Maybe he got bored and left her here to starve. Or maybe he nearly got caught and decided to put it all to an end. Maybe she snuck something sharp and killed herself. Maybe she died for sure and stayed dead a long time. At least for a couple months for a kind of liquefaction. She lost cohesion, skin, muscle, blood. Like the plug of mold that forms on top of forgotten coffee. I could see it in my head. Her collapse. A claymation time lapse. A rot of colors. Only somehow the natural cycle broke. She didn't go completely away. No one came to take her away. Those were her prints on the floors and walls and ceiling, weren't they? She had lay down, she died, and then somehow got back up. By the time I'd reached the top of the basement steps, I'd scared myself so bad the sweat was pouring off me. So far, the only things I'd seen on my way were just old boxes and crates and ancient bits of crap. Weed, whackers, leaf blowers, cobwebs, and defunct logos fading away. But that didn't mean I was alone. There was something wrong with that place. I could feel it. A radiant heat. A palpable aura of hatred. Even in the absence of anything seemingly real. I felt so bad that I, as I opened the door, I actually felt a moment of childlike relief. A little like how you might feel racing back to bed after going to the toilet in the middle of the night, convincing some ghost just inches behind you. I laughed. As, and something cold and hard wrapped around my ankle. A hand had reached up between the slats of the stairs, like it was reaching straight out of the world to make me believe and into... Wait. Yeah, like it was reaching straight out of the world of make-believe and into this one where things are real. I stared down, a heartbeat like thunder in my ears, and slowly began to process what I was seeing in bits and pieces. First was the hand, gnarled, black, like a badly sketched shadow, mm -mm. visible only through the light coming through the open door. And then beneath it, in the shadow, a face like a skull, wrapped in garbage bag. The plastic pulled so tight you could see the suffocating outline of empty eyes and a gaping mouth. I'd expect something wetter, something straight out of a bad horror movie. In reality, whatever was in that basement had undergone a strange transformation. I only saw it in parts, so I can't say for sure what it all was like, but it sure didn't look like a ghost or corpse or anything I'd ever seen in real life or movies. 
looked like a monster. The real deal. I reacted like a child seeing the boogeyman. I had made some weird half-muffled groan of fear and ripped my leg away so quickly that I surprised myself and got free. But whatever was hiding under those stairs was quick. Before I had time to take another step, it had left its hiding place, climbed the stairs, and was already driving me to the ground. The last thing I saw before my chin smashed into the kitchen floor was that Marianne really did wear a flower sack dress. At this time, the strange detail passed over me without notice. But in hindsight, the fact that the son would later recount this peculiar item of clothing convinced me the father had been the man responsible for that hidden basement. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah. That's yucky. (laughs) Yeah. It's very detailed. It is. You can tell they take pleasure in designing monsters, this Mm -hmm. author. Also, they're Canadian or European. They spell color with a U. (laughs) It wasn't like it had been waiting undiscovered when the family moved in. And on top of that, the father must have been a real piece of crap to inject that sort of sickening detail into the story he told his kids. He'd likely done so if his prisoner ever escaped and his kids ever saw Their first instinct would be to scream and run for their lives. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't know any of this at the time, of course. I had only vague notions of what had attacked me. Something awful, for sure. Something that had died in that awful room had come back to life. She was so angry. She pinned me, knelt on my back, and howled like a banshee that had been hit by a car. I peed myself at the sound, at the feeling of helplessness, at the realization this was a nightmare I couldn't wake up from. She went to work on my back with fingers I couldn't see, but could feel as hot as white-hot tattoo needle pain. It lasted only a few seconds. The agony was enough to send me into spasms that knocked her off and onto the floor. The tiny moment of freedom was all I needed. I crawled to my feet and jumped headfirst out of the nearest window. I didn't care about any cuts that I might acquire. If you could have felt what I felt, you wouldn't have either. These weren't scratches. Doctors compared my wounds to those left by a box jellyfish. The kind of thing that causes a muscle beneath to wilt and wither after a million hypodermic needles have turned the flesh to poor sponge. I had to get skin grafts. I had to get rid of my car because they couldn't scrub what I'd left because they couldn't scrub what I'd left of my skin from the leather seats. You. From now my back looks like I got run over by a mower. Still hurts when I put my top on each morning. Somehow they're not even the worst of my wounds, just the biggest, the most visible. At least those scars made it easy to convince the bank not to sell. Normally it takes a lot of effort, but they took one look at my doctor's reports and agreed to condemn it thoroughly. Pass the land on whatever strange governmental department handles this kind of thing. That particular house had been left to crumble. No piece of paper, a deed, or mortgage payment is ever taking it back from Marion. We can only shut it off. The land is fenced. Every window has been slapped with so many toxic gas signs that I can only hope that I can only hope no one else is stupid enough to ever go back inside. Looking back, I really should have listened to my instincts. Squatters don't leave a place alone without good reason. For sure. The end. That was good. I like that. Yeah. Like, I knew where it was going because I read the last couple paragraphs. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know about that in-between stuff. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. Definitely a lot of context, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it had to build. Which makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like he has to build a case for himself, like, why he should be trusted. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you want to do your second story? Yeah, I can do my second story. Okay. So, this is actually from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. We all read it as a child. <laughs> I wanted to read one for everyone. I didn't. You didn't read this? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. The stories I could tell you. I was actually a very scared child, believe it or not. This image haunted me. Yeah. Haunted me. So I wanted to share with everyone what haunted the small mind of Emily as a second grader. <laughs> tell um, us. I had actually... This was before I could fully read. So... Oh. <laughs> Um, like, I could read, but, like, yeah. I would read it with my best friend at the time. Mm-hmm. We checked it out from the library, and then when she was done, she would return it, and I would snatch it, and we just <laughs> kept it in that rotation. Um, so, um, so these terrified me as a child. Are they, like, short stories? They're really short Gotcha. Stories. They're for children. Yeah. They so, have short attention spans. Yeah. So, it's titled Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It is now a motion picture. Um... Bryce and I went to see it when it came out because he also 
read these. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just fabulous. This one's called The Big Toe. Okay. Scared everyone. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but, like, the artwork itself is spooky in and of itself. A boy was digging at the edge of the garden when he saw a big toe. He tried to pick it up, but it was stuck to something. So he gave it a good, hard jerk. And it soon came off in his hand when he heard something groan and scamper away. The boy took the toe into the kitchen and showed it to his mother. Ew. It looks nice and plump, she said. I'll put it in the soup and we'll have it for supper. That night, his father carved a toe into three pieces. Terrifying. This is so gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even scared. I'm just grossed out. It, imagine you're in second grade. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just had to share it with everyone because this is where I... My brain started with all this macabre stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I can pin it to this book. <laughs> um, they each had a piece. Then they did the dishes, and when it got dark, they went to bed. The boy fell asleep almost at once, but in the middle of the night, a sound awakened him. It was something out on the street. It was a voice. It was calling to him. Where is my toe? It groaned. (laughs) (laughs) When the boy heard that, he got very scared. But he thought, it doesn't know where I am. It will never find me. Then he heard the voice once more, only now it's closer. Where is my toe? (laughs) It groaned. The boy pulled the blankets up over his head and closed his eyes. I'll go to sleep, he thought. When I wake up, it'll be gone. But soon he heard the back door open and again he heard the voice. Where is my toe? (laughs) It groaned. Then the boy heard footsteps move through the kitchen and into the dining room, into the living room, into the front hall. Then slowly they climbed up the stairs. Closer and closer they came. Oh no. Soon they were in the upstairs hall. Now they were outside his door. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. His door opened, shaking with fear. He listened as the footsteps slowly moved through the dark towards his bed. Then they stopped. Where is my toe? (laughs) At this point, pause. It leaves stuff so you can tell these stories. Mm. So in parentheses it says, at this point, pause. And jump at the person next to you and shout, You've got it! (laughs) This is how we would tell the story to each other. The big toe also has another ending. When the boy hears the voice calling for its toe, he finds a strange-looking creature up inside the chimney. The boy who is so frightened he can't move, he just stands there and stares at it. Finally, he asks, What you got such big eyes for? (laughs) The creature answers, to look you through and through. What you got big claws for? To scratch up your grave. <laughs> well, uh, what you got such a big mouth for? To swallow you whole. <laughs> what you what you got sharp teeth for? To chomp your bones. It's why are there so many kid <laughs> stories about chomping bones? I don't know. Um, also, as you give the last line, pounce on one of your friends. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the story of the big toe. Fantastic. <laughs> I had to share it. It terrified me as a child. There was another one about a bride who runs up into the attic on their wedding day and hides in a box. And they never find her. And she dies there. And then I've one actually day, heard that one. Yeah. I thought it was in that one, but I guess it's not. Mm-hmm. Because there are multiples. Yeah. They each had different covers. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share that with everyone. <laughs> it truly terrifies a child. Um, tell this to your kids when they're, when they're being bad. Yeah. We, I'm not a parent. Maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> my kids will probably grow up reading that like it's nothing. Hopefully, or you're gonna have to stay up with them all night. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but I had to be calmed down. I was afraid of my bones turning to dust. Yeah. I would cry. I would sob because my cousin told me that one time when we were visiting a cemetery. That your bones would turn to dust? After you die, your bones turn to dust. And I sobbed. I was like, I don't want my bones to turn to dust. And And my mom was like, honey, you don't feel it. You don't feel it. You're dead. You won't You're not there. there. And that existential crisis. You're like, oh, cool. 
I said, I'm not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was little when I discovered You're like, that. like, what do you mean? I remember sitting in my bunk bed. That's hilarious. I had to be like six or seven when I told this to my mom. My cousin had told me when I was four or five, and I carried that trauma with me. <laughs> it kept me up at night. Do you need um, financial compensation for that one, Emily? I do. I do. I'll let them know. Thank we'll you. ring up your cousin. Thank you. She knows what she did. I love it. <laughs> Anyways. It's funny that your first story mentioned a doll in the camper, because mm-hmm. my story is about a doll. I love this. So this is from r slash no sleep. Um, and the user is the Dalek Emperor with underscores in between. Mm-hmm. And this was posted nine years ago. And it won a scary story in 2015. Oh, okay. So like, it's pretty famous. Now I'm ready to be <laughs> Okay, so this is called Betsy the Doll. Like most people these days, I had a effed up childhood. Who doesn't, right? My father took off before I was born and my mother was left to care for me on her own, a skill she was sorely lacking. My mother slipped right back into her drug-addled addled, party lifestyle and she party lifestyle she enjoyed before I was born and had soon turned our two-bedroom apartment into an opium den. I know, real bad. So for the first five years of my life, I walked around in a confused, terrifying mist. The smoky air would flood down the hallway from our living room and slip under my bedroom door. It always seemed to linger for days. I know now that my mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she did have spare money, she would put food in the house or buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my bedroom was a mattress set and a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, of course, just the three I had gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, one was a red wagon, and the last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Mm -hmm. Betsy was my best friend. We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, and even take baths together. Sometimes I even remember her voice. Is this Robert? Who, who knows? Who this knows, Emily? Robert. This is Robert. He's coming to get me. I knew it. My time has come. I thought we said we were going to say his name anymore. You know, after sharing what I've shared about him, I think he's okay with me. I always think he's at peace with us. I think so. We haven't had any issues in a while. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate you. As I lay here having an existential crisis. Yeah. Let it be known I've moved to the floor and I'm now laying down. Yes. So if she sounds weird, that's why. Yeah. And we're not going to fix it. No. Peace and love. So when I thought back to my conversations with the doll in adulthood, I realized that I was likely suffering from delusions thanks to the always present butts of smoke that laid claim to the dingy hallways and drafty bedrooms of our small apartment, which makes sense. Yeah. Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a pleasant tingling lit that almost always coupled with a ruckus giggle. I know. I also remember things that she said to me and things that she wanted me to do. She asked me to steal, usually food or pens and pencils. She wanted me to bring her forks and knives and hit the bad man who slept on our couch. It was always something and I would always get in trouble, but she wouldn't. When I told my mother who had put me up to these games, she would scoff and shake her head. She never believed me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. I wanted to invite the mean girls from school and serve them cake and ice cream to make them like me. I remember standing in the kitchen that day with such hopes, having just asked the most important question of my entire life. The glass bottle of Coca-Cola I held was shaking in my nervous hands. I waited with bated breath as my mother continued putting groceries away, almost as if she hadn't heard me. But I knew she had. Finally... Just as I failed a second time to muster up the courage to repeat the question, she turned around and gave me a flippant shake of her head. A birthday party? Laura, that's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed 15 children that aren't even mine. Hell, I can even barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant, especially for a girl your size. Or, I'm sorry, Betsy does. There's barely anything left for me to eat around here, much less a classroom full of other people's brats. 
She's not very nice. No. My face fell as soon as she shook her head, mumbled something else under her breath, and stumbled off into the living room. I heard the voice go up, and then more people walked in the door. Some left, some stayed. I never knew them either way. It simply wasn't fair. My mother threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a kid. All my friends had birthday parties, and all the mean girls at school would know I was too poor to have one, and they would tease me even more. I felt tears start to well in the corner of my eyes and I choked back a sob while I ran into my room and slammed the door behind me. Betsy was lying on the bed and smiling. She was always smiling. Ew. <laughs> Usually it made me feel better, but today it just made me angry. She just kept staring at me, smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad again. This is why mother wouldn't let me throw a birthday party. It was because of all the trouble I got into because of her. This was her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school, and Betsy never got into trouble like I did. But in my young mind, I truly believed it was the doll, not my mother, who was to blame for everything. Hmm. I snapped then. I screamed in indignant rage and threw the bottle as hard as I could at the bed. It hit Betsy on her forehead, and she fell on the floor. Good. I picked up the bottle, and I hit her again and again. I thought I heard her laugh, and I hit her harder. Then I laughed. When my rage was spent, I dragged Betsy to my toy chest and threw her in. I slammed it shut and kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again. Ever. How are you feeling, Emily? I don't like this idea. Are you scared? A little bit. Why is the doll laughing? Yeah? Why? Laughter's never Are you afraid of the doll retaliating? I'm afraid of the doll retaliating. I'm afraid what the doll had planned. That means it wanted it to happen. Yeah. Knowing my experience with haunted dolls, that's never good. Yeah, that's fair. I never owned another doll after Betsy. About a week later, the police came and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home in a new state. With food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage and the wagon disappeared. I never saw my mother again. As I got older, my foster parents admitted that she was in jail, doing 25 years. That was fine with me. I felt nothing for her anyway. I still had nightmares because of my life with that woman. But then slowly, I began to heal. I focused on doing well in school, and I ignored my mother's letters from prison. She reached out several times in my 20s as well, but I always declined her calls. That is, until this morning. I'm 30 now. With my own children and a loving, honest husband, I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker, trying to make a difference for kids who had a bad like me. I'm happy, I'm steady, and I'm content. So when I got a voicemail from my mother informing me that she had been paroled and that she wished to speak, decided to let her say her piece. Uh-oh. I have a feeling it's a voodoo doll. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting theory. I'm not going to give anything away. No, don't. I'm ready. It's a good story. I'm ready. Here we go. Since the kids were home from school, I went out into our shed in the backyard to return my mother's call. The shed was the children's domain, and they used it to play in the summer. I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea party table, and dialed the number she had left me. Three rings. Hello, Laura? Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your, your own life now and a family. I would love to meet them someday. I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am for everything. Okay. Mother, you are not meeting my kids, ever. And since you called me, I'm going to I'm going to say what I've needed to say for years. Sorry, there's a typo. No, you're good. The opium, opium, the heroin, they destroyed you. And the worst of it, that you took it, that you almost took me down with you. I was five. That was no home for a child. Honestly, I'm surprised it took you so long to get caught. Laura, I know how it seems, but honestly... But I honestly know nothing. Look, it hardly matters, and I do understand why you would feel that way. Why would you Why would you hate me and not want me to see your little ones? I learned a lot about forgiveness while I was away, and just, oh, Laura, I'm so sorry about Betsy. <gasps> what about Betsy? <laughs> Betsy, I paused, confused. Why would you care about her? I know, Laura, believe me, I do. It was my fault. The drugs, the partying... And Betsy, oh goodness, if I had only paid attention, 
if only if i had only known she's gone and it's because of me as my mother began to cry i tapped my fingers on the toy box impatiently the drugs had clearly fried her brain mother i sighed why are you talking about betsy and why do you even care i know where betsy is right beneath me what are you talking about laura oh oh goodness where is she i shifted uncomfortably well betsy's in the trunk where she has always been there was a beat of stunning silence what do you mean your sister's in the trunk i knew it but <laughs> as soon as i clicked oh no Does it keep going? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sister, what in the hell are you talking about? Back on drugs so soon? That's a record, even for you. Betsy was a doll. I locked her in my toy box a few days before you got arrested for possession. Laura, oh, no, no. Laura, what have you done? I wasn't arrested because of the drugs, Laura. I was arrested because of Betsy's disappearance. You always called her your little doll, but we thought you knew. We, we thought you knew, Laura. No, what, what have you done to my baby? <laughs> Emily's face is priceless right now. My mind had gone blank, and with no emotion, I set my phone down next to me and stood up. I could hear the muffled sound of my mother's anguished cries and the, feeling, the feel of the dark clutch of possibility in my own chest. Memories were stirring in the back of my mind, threatening to flood forward into my consciousness. They pushed against a door in my mind that had been locked so tightly for so long that I had forgotten it was even there. Was it even possible? Could the trauma and the opium really lead me to believe that a small child was actually a doll, begging for food and utensils to eat with, asking me to protect her from the bad man? No. I slowly turned around and brought my eyes down on the makeshift tea party table. Surely, it was too small. You can fit a person in there you couldn't but then what about a very small starving emaciated child what about her would she fit would an investigator even bother looking for a person in this chest i knew i wouldn't it was just too small and i was sure we had opened the toy box at some point over the years haven't we or had something swimming in the dark recesses in my memories always stopped me i couldn't remember ever seeing it open I knelt down to the ground and opened the clasps. It would be better not to look. After all that I had overcome, this new life that I had earned myself could all be undone by opening this toy box. I shouldn't open it. I should throw it in a landfill and forget it ever existed. I should not look inside. I opened the chest. I never had a doll. My mother could never afford to buy me one. I never had a wagon either, for that matter. But I did have a toy box. A pretty blue and white toy box. When I was five, I beat my little sister to death and put her in it. Oh my. And that's it. Gosh. What? Right? I was like, oh, it's voodoo doll. That's weird. And then somewhere along the way, I was like. You're like, wait a minute. I was like, hold on. This was one of the best Reddit stories of the twist that I've ever read. I understand why it won. Yeah. This uh, author is, like, very well known on Reddit. I can understand why. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Sorry it's so dark, everyone, but, like... Mine was pretty dark, too. That's fair. Real question, though. Yeah. If she had killed her sister at five, Mm -hmm. could she be charged? See, when I look through the comments, um, I remember r slash no sleep people act like the stories are real yeah that's like a part of the reddit to like just keep the magic alive basically mm-hmm. and people in the comments were like dude the house was full of drugs you were inhaling that smoke all the time you were not in your right mind no. you probably truthfully believe that she was a doll well, she you did. didn't know that you killed her yeah i don't think she would be charged because she was five and because of the state of the house and the state of her mind yeah. As a child addicted to drugs? They would probably just put her into intense, intense therapy and foster care, which they probably did anyway. Would they charge her as an adult, though? I don't think so. Or is it just like... Um, For a five-year-old, I don't think so. If, 
like maybe like bordering closer to 12. Because yeah. Like, because you don't develop um, impulse control till you're eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't have a good understanding of right and wrong for a while. So I don't think she'd be charged as an adult. Okay. I don't think you... I think you get impulse control before eight, but it's a while. Yeah. It doesn't kick in for a minute. And that's why little kids seem so unhinged. They just do whatever pops into their head. That's crazy. It's probably one of the best Reddit stories I've ever read, though. Yeah. Yeah. I saw saw your brain working, and I was like, don't (laughs) give it away, Emily. Don't give it away. (laughs) Because when I first read this, my mind was just going like, oh, okay, this is going to turn into... Annabelle slash Robert thing. That's what I thought at first. That's this road we're gonna go down. Okay. And then the twist, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I was like, that's weird. At first I was like, okay, it's like an Annabelle Robert situation. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, that's a little too weird. Like, I'm thinking voodoo doll. Like, I I'm think like, this is very specific. Right like, And I was right. Someone did die right there. But I was just a teensy bit off. It's really sad, though. The drugs. Yeah, that is sad. That's the level of spooky I thought my spooky story was when I was little. This one actually, like, turned my blood cold when I was reading it because I was like, oh, my gosh. I was sitting here with my hand over my mouth. I Yes, you were. <laughs> I was reading so many of these um, at work, peace and love, um, to the point where I'm like, if anyone walks behind me right now, I'm, like, joking, jumping a foot out of my chair, mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um... I, when I was little and I would read stories, I would sit there and I would just, like, sleep on my back to the wall so I could see anything. Mm-hmm. And I still sleep like that now. Except I don't have a wall anymore. I have a mirror, which is worse. That's a lot worse. Or Bryce, but that's better. Yeah, that's better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was fun. That was really fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us um and remember to vote on our polls when i put them up i genuinely want to know um rate review subscribe yes and follow our instagram at chronic pain and paranoia and also take your meds plug in your heating pads and stay spooky stay spooky goodbye